Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's good to see you, and I appreciate you being here. We have a lot of people that are sick, a lot of people out of town. We're glad you're here. Those of you from Ventura, we are especially glad that you're here, because if you weren't here, we wouldn't have many people at all. So God bless you for being here. I want to get right into the lesson, Taking God's Name in Vain. In the Walt Disney movie, Bambi, the little skunk fell in love, if you remember. All of the other creatures said that that person was twitterpated. It makes you do crazy things and makes you think crazy ways when you fall in love in that childlike love. Shakespeare opined in Romeo and Juliet, what's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. And that's a good sentiment, except uh, we miss some things with that. This was the balcony scene where Juliet was trying to convince Romeo that the family name, all of these things are meaningless when it comes to love. They ended up killing themselves. In reality, a good name is probably one of the most important things that you can have. In Proverbs, the 22nd chapter and verse 1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver and gold. A name tells a lot about a person. If you will notice, we read books by the name of an author. If I wanted to pick a book for my wife, I would always know that I would be safe if I picked somebody like David Baldacci. Oh, she loves reading David Baldacci. My favorite book, of course, was The Grapes of Wrath, John Steinbeck. And when I, whenever I saw John Steinbeck on a shelf, I would pick up that book because I wanted to have it. I knew it would be good. We seek out speakers by their name. Many years ago, whenever I first became a Christian, Bill Shamblin asked me, would you like to go down to Canoga Park because Roy Cogdell is preaching. Well, I didn't know Roy Cogdell from anybody else. Later on, I found that he was one of my favorite speakers and he was sought out by brethren all over the brotherhood because he was Roy Cogdell, and he had a grasp of the Bible that very few people have. Later I met Robert Turner and people like this that their reputation was given by their name. And we shop based upon names. I'm going to put a few names up here, and I want you to draw a picture in your mind about them as I put them up here and see whether they do not draw a picture in your mind to where you can just see it. If I put down McDonald's, what do you think of automatically? Well, they have the best French fries in the world, and I love their double cheeseburgers, and I love Egg McMuffin. All of these are good, and that's what comes to my mind. Right away, I start salivating whenever I hear McDonald's. 
And some people say, well, I can't stand McDonald's. Well, that's because you don't like their product. If you like their product, it brings good things. Walmart. Oh, depends upon which Walmart you go to. <laughs> but Walmart, you're going there to get a bargain. And I don't particularly like to go to Walmarts, especially in Oxnard, because things are thrown all over the floor and everything. But I've been at Walmarts where we're looking for a bargain, and Walmart has it. And I like Walmart in some places. Levi Strauss. When I was a boy, my mother used to buy me jeans. I hated those jeans because I wanted Levi's. You have to have Levi's if you're going to school. Maybe that wasn't true with some of you because you were much younger, but when I was going to school, I'll tell you, you had to have Levi's. And I can remember wearing overalls my first day of school and putting my shirt on the outside and hoping everybody would think I had Levi's on. <laughs> but I didn't. And then you put up George Washington. Oh, you realize there's a lot of people who don't even know who George Washington was? And they're going to graduate from college very shortly. <laughs> but they don't realize who George was. But it draws the father of our country. I just remember he had wooden teeth. But George Washington. How about Saddam Hussein? Well, I think everybody here remembers Saddam. How about Jesus Christ? What does that draw to your mind? You see, these names are important, and mental pictures are drawn, and you get in your mind these things, and you can't get them out. It's like a song. Have you ever heard a song, and you just can't get it out of your mind, and over and over and over you go, and you finally get tired of it yourself, and you want to get it out of your mind, but you can't. It keeps coming back. John and I watched a program where a Jewish theologian was speaking. And he said that people get all excited because people say, God, that was a good cup of tea. And he said, God's name is not God. And I take a little bit of exception with that. I realize that God is not his name. But God is the very being of who we serve. And therefore we ought to take that into account whenever we talk about God. Because as the Bible says, there are many gods they can be made out of stone or statues or what have you. But he says, to us there is only one God. And we ought to respect that, not because it's his name, but because that's who his being is. This is the third commandment that we're talking about, and as we said in the starting of this, 
We do not live by the Ten Commandments written upon stone, but the very principles there will always be there. And we live by those principles that the law that is written upon our heart in the new commandment, in the way that God put it upon our heart, as he demonstrated his love to us as his son died upon the cross, and we love him because he first loved us, and he said, I will write it upon your heart. And so his laws are there. And we are going to talk a little bit about that, but what is the meaning of taking the name of God in vain? What does that really mean when we say that? Well, it means that I see no real meaning in that name, and so I just use it. And we have the idea, well, the name of God is Yahweh or Jehovah, but there's much more to it than that. But when we say, take the name of God in vain, we are saying there is no really value in the name that we are using. That I just look at God as not really being important. I just use that. That's the, one, the way I talk. And that's a very dangerous thing. It's an idle word. It has no real meaning. And everybody understands I just use that. And it is worthless, absolutely worthless. If you get down to what do you mean? Well, I didn't mean anything by it. If you mean nothing about it, that's not very good speaking ability, is it? We ought to have meaning behind what we're going to say. And it's foolish talking. I'm just using that. I didn't mean anything by it at all. So, it's silly. There are two ways of taking a name in vain. Number one, what we say. Does God say we're going to answer for the things that we say? It's important what you say. When we say, have you noticed how many times God is used in your conversation in conversations every day? If you're at work, you hear the name God all the time. God, 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 God. How about Jesus Christ? Now, those things are good to say in themselves, but the way that people say them, they have no meaning. They are just an expression, and many times it's cursing. I would be surprised how many times people say that God is going to damn something. No meaning. No meaning. And they're pronouncing a judgment that they have no idea what God's going to do. Because God doesn't think like we do. And family, and this is what we're really talking about, those little kids see what you are saying or hear what you are saying, and it affects them in their life. It teaches them not to respect God in any way. And this is coming more and more prevalent today in this world. That God has no meaning. In fact, we even question whether God exists. 
and we have to shut off everything. And these kids are hearing their parents use these things over and over. And the family ought to be in the very image of what God's family is supposed to be. That ought to be going on in our homes. And the way we talk is so important to these kids that if we don't get it right, they will never have the proper respect for our God. The second way that we do that is how we live. And this was the theologian's thought whenever John and I watched the program, is that taking God's name is more about how we live in respect to God's name. And professing Christians make the name worthless. Over in Hebrews, the sixth chapter, verses six through four, he says, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again into repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up in contempt. I used to look at that and say, you know, once you do that, you can't ever get back. But let me tell you what I think this means. I believe it means very simply that when somebody walks away from the God, walks away from the church, walks away from all of those things that are very precious, there is nothing that you and I can do to bring them back. Nothing we can say because they have refused everything that God has offered. Everything that we can say about God, they have refused and said, I don't want it. And it's impossible to bring them back. The only way that they're going to come back is they're going to have to realize and then repent and then come back. But we get into a very, very dangerous thing whenever we decide that we're going to leave the church or leave God. You can't, if you leave the church, you leave God. Now, I'm not talking about a congregation. You may be in a congregation that you need to get out of. But I'm talking about leaving the relationship that I have with God. Leaving those, that close tie that we have and not considering at all the brethren that are in the church and decide to go away. God says, there's nothing anybody can do to bring you back because you have rejected all of the rules. Our life then stands opposed to Christ. And we state that religion means little. Now I want you to think about those little kids sitting there watching you as you decide you're not going to serve God anymore. I have broken away, but I want you kids to go to church. I want you kids to be in services. I want you kids to go with your mother. I want you kids to do this, but I am not going to go. You know what? Fathers usually are heroes to their children. And if they don't see the father, it runs bad. You know, John and I meet different people. 
I use him because we both preach. But he will go somewhere and people will say, you know, I know your dad. Well, that can be good or that can be bad. <laughs> and I go places and I've went to several places and I say I'm Mason French and they say, are you related to John French? I say, yeah, well, I know him. He went through Brent Willie's class and we went through Brent Willie's class. That's how we became preachers. I want you to think about how precious a name. In Acts the fourth chapter and verse 12, he says, and there is, no, is, there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I could answer anybody that came to me and said, what must I do to be saved? And I could give this answer. You must believe on the name of Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Now that's a fact. That's exactly what was told to the Philippian uh, the jailer is what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thou hast thy household. And the fellow could answer, well, I don't even know anything about Jesus Christ. Then let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about him and let me tell you what he wants of you. But I've introduced the name of Christ to them. And we need to copy what John talked about this morning in Philippians, the second chapter. Starting in verse 5 and going through verse 9, he says, Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, then being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death of a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. If I were God, do you think that I would ever humble myself? There is no greater than I but I'm going to become a servant of man. Now that is absolutely amazing when you think about it. The creator of everything says, I will be your servant. I didn't come here to judge you. I came here to save you. I came here to serve you. I came here, let me do what I need to do to help you. He says, get that mind in you. You know, if that ever happened in the church, wouldn't you love to have the argument someday, I'm here to serve you, Sandy. And Sandy says, no, I'm here to serve you. No, I'm here to serve you. No, I'm here to serve you. I would love that kind of an argument. I would love that kind of thing. And Jesus said, get that into your mind. He said it through the Apostle Paul. And Paul learned that even though he was great religiously over here at one time, he became the servant of Jesus Christ and the servant of all men. 
a name that we can depend upon. You know, that's the problem with trusting in people. Their name sometimes says you can't depend upon them at all. In Romans 10, 13, he says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And people say, all I have to do is get out there and yell, Jesus, and that's going to save me. No. It's stated very well what calling on the name of the Lord it means in Acts twenty two sixteen. It says, Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. It says, wash away your sins, but calling on the name of the Lord. That's my point. Calling on the name of the Lord. I can't save myself. Only God can save me. Only Christ can save me. I have to come through Christ. And so that's the name. It's the only name, he says, that can save you. His word is his name. I want you to get that. His word is his name. We can say Jehovah, we can say all of this, but when it comes down to it, in Psalm 138.2, he says, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Well, if you notice, God's name is more than just a name. You know, just going out here and saying somebody's name, there's Angela French, well, so what? <laughs> there's Trevor French, so what? And then there's Stephen. Kirk. Who's that? You know, when you get to know people, you identify with them in such a way as you know that you can depend upon them. You know that you can trust them. You know that their heart is there. And do we get irritated with one another? Absolutely. That's what brotherly affection's about. You get, a, you, you, you get irritated with that other person. But it doesn't mean anything. Because you know how great they are. My son Larry. He could irritate me more than anybody I know of. But when he died. He was one of the most precious names I knew. Because I knew his character. What this name is with God. It is his reputation. That name is the reputation of God. We look sometimes so much at why did they name him this? And names in the Bible had a real meaning. And do you know what? I'm going to tell you something. And this is for the family. If we hold God's reputation as great, you will hold your family's name great. Our family names mean something. That's why you boys, that's why you grandkids, that it means something and you ought to respect it. We honor our family. And family needs to be taught that we are 
harming our future or or framing our future on God's reputation. In Titus 1-2, in hope of eternal life, which God who never lies promised before the ages began. Why should I believe that? Because his name says, I will do what I said I will do. Isn't that the way kids judge their parents? The parents doing what they said they would do. Now, sometimes that's impossible for parents, but it's never impossible with God. God says, I will do what I said I will do. In Hebrews, the sixth chapter, verse 17 through 19, he says, So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure, steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. When everything else fails, God's name is there and I can depend on it to take me where it's supposed to. How often do we get so depressed and so down And look, I'm pointing to me. We get so down and we forget that God is there. Do you realize in the hardest times, that's when God appears the strongest. Do you remember Moses and them? And I'm I'm sidetracking here a little bit, but do you remember Moses when they were going through a very difficult time? He's up on the mountain. They're down here making an idol. And God says, you need something to carry you through. And he said, I'm going to have my greatness pass before you. His name was passing before him. His glory was passing before him. And that strengthened Moses. That seems to be when God comes. It's when we need him the most. Do you realize that our entire system of religion is based upon God's name? Listen, in 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? How do we know that Christ was resurrected from the dead? Because God said so. He staked his name upon it. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep if in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. How do you know that you're going to have a resurrection? God said so. 
And it's all based upon Christ's resurrection. If Christ wasn't raised, you're not going to be raised. You remember Ananias and Sapphira? They decided to lie to God. And they were struck dead. I wonder how often we think about what's God going to do to me because I lie. I lie every day about my service to him. I don't really serve him the way he wants. I don't do the commandments the way God wants me to do it. I know it. And I recognize none of us are perfect. But when I willingly do not do what God said for me to do, I take his name in vain. Now let that sink in. Let that sink into you. The best way to keep God's name sacred, and this is a great secret, and it takes a lot of thought, keep his commandments. That's it right there. If you really want to keep God's name sacred, keep his commandments. Daddy, why do we do this? Because over here, God said to do it. Mama, why can't women stand up there and teach? Well, because God said over here that they're not allowed to. You mean it's that simple? Yeah, it is. We can stu study the complexity of it, but really it's that simple. We make all of this real complicated. Did Jesus have a beard? Must have, because they pulled the hairs from his cheeks. That's what the Bible says. In John, the 17th chapter, verse 6 through 8, it says there, I, and that's Jesus, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. What did he do? He declared to them their name. How did he do that? He lived it. He was in charge of the sea. He was in charge of the wind. He was in charge of, of everything that was happening and his responses and everything. And when I get to looking at that, I said, now I know God's name. It's what he can do and what he does. That is God's name. If you want to know God's name, look at Jesus Christ. Jesus said, my whole life has described what the name of God is, and I've declared it to them. And he declared it to his disciples. They knew his name. And when you know his name, you know how important it is. If you take away if you take away the name of God or take the God's name in vain, you lose all the spiritual blessings. 
salvation. How, how important is your salvation? We don't think about it. We think about today and the gadgets and all of these things, but how, how important is salvation to you? I've been saved from that dark place and given life, prayer, relationship that I have. And we don't consider the relationships very important. You know, John talked this morning about kindly affection, but I don't, I don't really care for that person. Well, I may not care for your personality, but man, I care about you. I think about you. And if you weren't here, this church wouldn't be the same if Sandy was not here. The Ventura congregation would not be the same. And if Sandy was not here, my life would not be the same. I've met a young man, Cade, what a breath of fresh air. What a breath of fresh air. Eternal life. I'd be glad to get new knees. Eternal life. Family. And peace. And the family I'm talking about is this family. This family. So let me conclude this way. Whatever you do, honor God in his name. Make that a point every single day. Apply it to the family. Apply that name to the family. You are one of God's children. You, you are, are Jehovah's child. You, you are Christ's brother and sister. And be careful in what we say. Ah, oh, let's use that name. What do you think God thinks whenever I say, you know what? Those people in Ventura, they're good people. But that but is just about to ruin them. Those are my brothers and sisters. And what I have to say to them, I'll say to their face not behind their back. And careful in how we live. And remember this above everything else. Our life is about his reputation. That's why I live. I want them to see the glory of my Savior. You're here. You can obey the gospel right now. Come believing that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. Repent of your sins. Confess him before Christ, before the, the world. And be baptized for the remission of sins. Enter into the death of Christ. Receive the blood that cleanses us. And arise to walk in newness of life. Be faithful unto death and you'll receive the crown of glory. If you've walked away from God, come on home. While together we stand and sing.